everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Behind the Sounds. I'm so excited to be joined today by Abby Anderson. Welcome, thank you so much Hello. for coming on the show. Um, hey, thank you for having me. We were just chatting, it was your birthday last week, you hosted an ACM watch party. Have you recovered? <laughs> How was it? Yeah. Oh, it was so fun. Honestly, I have, for some reason, like, I didn't, I didn't start drinking till I was like 21. And then... I had like, like three really, really bad experiences with alcohol as far as like being intoxicated. And so, so for some reason lately, I just like this past year, I'm like, I just don't really feel like drinking that much anymore. It's just after like two drinks, I'm like, maybe it's because I'm getting older. I don't know. It's kind of lost its luster for me. Yeah. Like I'll have like two tequilas and I'll be like, okay, I feel good. You know, I'm fine. And then, yeah, so I was great to answer your question. <laughs> um, and I love that you guys, cause you were in Nashville watching the ACMs, right? So even though you couldn't be in Vegas, still celebrating. So good to have kind of award shows and back, um, like music oh. back. How has it been kind of coming out of being inside for two years and, and being back out and, performing again yeah that's a good question because it's I feel like my perspective on everything has totally changed and it was a perspective shift that I really really needed that I didn't know I needed yeah um so I feel like I don't know I think I was making life pre-pandemic really difficult Leah <laughs> like I think, I think I was like yeah, yeah like after pandemic I'm like you know, I love music. I love my career. This is all I've ever wanted. This is all I've ever been good at. Okay. <laughs> and, but like now after the pandemic, I've just realized like, okay, it's something I do and it's a gift, but it's not who I am. Yeah. There's a big difference. And like, gosh, even hearing myself say that is like huge because pre-pandemic Abby like needed the affirmation. She needed like the cool you know opening slots and like if I didn't get to play a festival like I didn't play C to C this year that would have crushed me in 2019 like absolutely crushed me so uh it just feels like a breath and it's like you know what we're all gonna die one day and like it's good it's all good <laughs> I love that I think no but you're so right like we were living in such it's given everyone this time to just chill and figure out what's important and go from there so it's so nice and I, I love that you've just said that you this is all you wanted to do because that's where I wanted to start like growing up I'm assuming you were a musical child just trying me as a sort that just kind of started singing at a very young age what made you get into music so yeah, girl, I grew up in Dallas, Texas. And um, in Texas, I mean, one country music is huge in Texas. And so that's kind of what I just grew up listening to. Um, my mom and dad are very musical. They don't do it professionally, but my dad, we all grew up singing in church, me and all my sisters. Um, my mom has a beautiful voice. She's got this beautiful country voice. And so we just, I don't ever remember like not having music around or like not playing piano or not listening to music. It was just always 
there and it was like everybody's creative outlet you know um so like I would my dad would host these Christmas parties every year for his business and me and my sisters would perform for everybody and you know I had a tendency to keep performing even when people didn't want me to I just (laughs) I just definitely um I know it's hard to tell, but I love attention. And so, <laughs> so definitely from a young age, like I got the performance bug for sure. But, you know, I just had, I had big feelings as a kid. And so I think music for me was like the safe place where it was okay to like sing about sadness. And whereas in my family growing up, everybody was like, be happy, be happy, be happy. But for me and my music, that was the one place where I was praised for like having emotion, for like writing about sadness, writing about anger. And then my parents would be like, this is amazing, you know? So I definitely took to it, I think at a young age as like a coping thing, thankfully. For sure. And it's obviously paid off. But when you obviously country music, massive part of your life growing up, but were there any artists in particular that you kind of look back at your childhood and you're like, they were the people that inspired me to where I was? Yes. Oh, my gosh. For um, for songwriting, Merle Haggard, for sure. Like I list, I mean, imagine like a six-year-old little girl listening to like Okie from Miss Skokie or like Mama Trent. Like I loved, I loved Merle Haggard and like, oh my gosh, if we make it through December's and Silver Wings, one of my, two of my favorite songs ever. Um, just the sadness he wrote about and how he wrote it with such like calmness to it too. Like, it's like, yeah, this is just a part of life, you know? Um Merle Haggard for songwriting, for sure. Vocally, I'd say I listened to a ton of Tina Turner. Like a ton of Tina Turner. (laughs) It's like Tina, Linda Ronstadt, um, Martina McBride, you know, Shania Twain, all the the staples. I I listened to everything. And Garth Brooks, of course. Um, I would like study his, his videos growing up. I was like obsessed with him and and Elvis. Oh my gosh, love Elvis. So there's everybody, Listen, everybody. I love that. Yeah. Um, and was there a time, obviously you say you use it as a coping mechanism and you had these influences. Is there a time that you remember and you were like, right, okay, I'm good at this. I can sing. I'm going to go for it. This is what I want to do. It's, is that like a, yeah. a particular moment where you look back and you think that's when I knew this is what I was going to do? I'm not sure that there was like a particular moment because I I feel like I always knew I was going to be a performer. Like I always knew at first, like when I was little, I was I knew I was like talented in music because my mom was really good at telling me like, Abby, you're really good at this. Like you need to sit your ass down and practice. I hated practicing. Um, But no, growing up, I was involved in sports and lots of like other entertainment type of things. And so I thought like, hell, as long as I'm in front of a TV (laughs) and like people can see me, I will like, I just have so much on my heart. I just want to share with the world, you know? Um, But then my mom, like I was, I was like bitching about practicing one day or something. And my mom had brought me to the family computer and she had shown me a video of Aretha Franklin 
Ray Charles um, and like Roy Orbison, like some of the greatest piano player singers of our time, right? I'm, I'm missing out like Billy Joel, Elton John, of course there's more, but like those were the three she happened to. Right. And, um, and anyway, she showed me videos of them. And especially there's something about seeing Aretha Franklin perform and play the piano yeah. that just like, for it, it just opened this whole new world to me, especially seeing a woman do that. I don't, I don't think I realize now the impact it had on me as a young girl, seeing a woman do that. Cause I had always seen like, there's tons of male piano player yeah. singers, you know? Um, which like at a young age, I don't think we consciously think about gender, mm-hmm. but now looking back, I I'm like, holy back. cow, I think I need, yeah, I think I needed to see a woman, you know? Um, something about the emotion that she played with and her singing, I was just like, wow, like she, like I can share my heart doing this. Like, this is how I can share all these emotions that are bottled up in me with like everybody, you know? So that's when it all clicked for me. And after that moment, I was like five or six. I could not, you couldn't get me off the piano. I was just practicing and practicing and practicing and like writing all these little jingles and songs and that was it for me yeah oh I love that I absolutely and you're so right you don't as a child you you subconsciously realize but it's not something that at the time you're ever aware of so I love that you talk about that because one thing and I'll go into it in a bit more depth later but your songs are so relatable uh and that's you can obviously see where you've pulled these influences from and but looking back then so obviously was Nashville when you eventually decided to to move was that or it was always going to happen was always going to be Nashville you went to absolutely it was always Nashville I um I started homeschooling even because I was starting to tour around Texas play all these shows and And I just told my parents, I think I was like 14. It was after my freshman year of high school that I realized like, I'm not going to use math. I'm not going to use any of this stuff. Like I know what I want to do, you know? And it's okay if like, you don't have to, obviously you don't have to know at a young age, which for some reason I just did. And so I told my parents, I was like, hey, this is what I want to do. We all know it's going to happen. Okay, I'm moving to Nashville, whether you like it or not. And like my parents were so supportive. And I just told them the way I see it is like, I want to keep playing shows during the week. I want to stay in sports. I love sports, but like I need time to write. I need time to practice and do all the other extracurriculars I want to do. Um, so I started homeschooling. And that decision really is what got me to Nashville at 17. I don't think I could have done that. I could have just dropped out of high school, which I kind of did, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I officially graduated high school. My, my high school education career is a little spotty. Okay. (laughs) But but I got my ass to Nashville. So (laughs) you tried, like you had the homeschool, you know, we, we tried to, to, to make it work and obviously it's led you to to where you are now um what like did you have a plan when you came when you moved to Nashville like was that I mean go, here we are my plan was my plan was because I I've always known the importance of networking and like from a young age I always knew the importance of like 
asking questions and you know you're only seven people away from meeting a person who could really change the world for you you know um and so growing up I just like when I moved to Nashville I was like okay I got one job and it's to meet as many people as I can to go like knock on the doors um go play every single show I can um and that's what I did yeah so I got to Nashville thankfully I knew I'd come to Nashville like twice before so I knew a couple people in the business who had like run studios and like demo sessions Mm -hmm. um so I called them up and I was like hey I'm moving to Nashville could I just come make coffee for the studio can I just like sweep your floors obviously you're not paying you do this I just like want to meet I just want to like sit in on recording sessions just because you never know who's going to be recording that day you know (laughs) um and so every day I made sure I looked really cute <laughs> and I made sure that I went to that studio and that I just, you know, I was just there every single day. I showed up. Um, and yeah, you just start meeting people. You start meeting other songwriters and like, it was, it was a great experience. And then, um, yeah, that was like my one job was to figure out how to play the shows. I got a fake ID so that I could like get in the bars yeah and uh, that's where I started yeah and did it feel because looking like if you look from the outside in it it seems that your kind of success in your in the early days happened very quickly um record deal playing the rhyme and etc does it feel like it, it was almost overnight or do you feel like it took a long time I feel like it's interesting because it depends on like where you start. Mm -hmm. Cause if you start from like, you know, I started playing and practicing piano when I was five, then yeah, it doesn't feel overnight at all. Like there's (laughs) thousands and thousands, like definitely over 10,000 hours worth of practice and, and songwriting there. But yeah, from the time I like moved to Nashville, I mean, within two years, yeah. It was fast to sign a record deal. And, you know, frankly, Leah, I thought I thought I had it all figured out. <laughs> like, I really, I really did. It's like, oh, well, this is easy. Like, you know, get a record deal, right? Um, and then I think my, like, true education on the business side started when I got the record deal. That's like, that's like when the real work began. Yeah there's more to think about and more people mm-hmm. involved I assume and um, but you am I right so I'm right in saying you were playing at the Ryman when you got your first record deal right yeah so yeah. what ha- looking back what an experience to have um, I know happen? <laughs> so I so this was through um one of my dad's really good friends um he has this found foundation the Derek Wells Foundation and so, um, sorry, I got that name totally wrong. <laughs> not Derek Wells. Derek Wells is a guitar player in town. that. I was like, what the? There's a foundation. <laughs> I'm thinking of because he was playing guitar that yeah. night. So it's not Derek, I love you. Not his foundation. Um, <laughs> no, it was for a charity foundation. And so he had thrown me a bone and was like, hey, do you want to come play? 
you know, this charity gig. And I was like, you know, I'm the daughter of his good friend. So it's definitely, you know, he, I, that was given to me. I didn't have to do anything other than I'd like to think I was, you know, decent enough to be able to play the Ryman. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he, he let me play the Ryman that night and I was in talks with the record company already. And we had, you know, come to an agreement, but they surprised me that night with the, with the deal. Oh, what an experience to have. And yeah, from like, you're still really young at the time it happens. <laughs> like, yeah, to think for sure. that and I mean, obviously not expecting it on the night, you know, it's all that. What's your immediate reaction? Are you just on a high or do you start? Cause I'd go into panic mode if that was me. <laughs> <laughs> think about, but was it just really like a positive reaction you know what's interestingly is like I always get really uh, in the past I would get really really excited pre mm-hmm. pre-show I would just be like hi okay and then after it happened I kind of felt sad it was over you know I mean I was still I was still really really excited still so excited but there is definitely this like air of you know as bubbly as a person I am I definitely have a side that's like okay business time like it's time to work and that's how I felt I was like okay this is what I I just accomplished like everything that I've been wanting for but I've been like 10 years 12 years right so it felt kind of sad like oh crap I got what I wanted Cause it's like really easy to work for you want work for what you want. It's, it's almost harder to like actually get it because <laughs> you just come down from this mountain. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I definitely felt like, okay, this is real work starts now. Yeah. And it did. It, I mean, it, yeah. this is what I'm saying about it. seeming like overnight. I want to talk about a song that was, uh, I think probably a couple of months after that moment happened, it came out at make him wait, which was one of, your kind of first really big hits and talking about kind of songwriters and songwriting powerhouses you wrote that song with two of the greatest yeah Tom Douglas and yeah. um, can you tell me a little bit about the story behind that song and why you chose that to kind of be this this single that it turned out to be obviously incredible yeah no this is an interesting story because when we had the day we wrote that song, we were honestly all thinking like, oh my gosh, this is a great song. Like Tim McGraw would sound great on this. Like I was thinking like this, like I'm thinking of like a, a father singing to a daughter, you know, which now looking back, I don't think it would have worked. I really don't. I think it needed to come from a female yeah. perspective, mm-hmm. you know, Um but no, so the day we wrote that, I got a call from a dear girlfriend of mine. She was in college at the time, like I was supposed to be. <laughs> and, and she called me and she was just crying her eyes out. Just, you know, she had gone on a date with this guy and she was just feeling used. And uh, rightfully so. I mean, this is a story we know very well. Um, you know, nothing like unconsensual, nothing like that. But she had just felt like, they had taken things to a point where she looking back now, you know, is the classic story. Like he's not calling me now. He's ghosted me like after using her, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
And so that's just a story that I kept hearing over and over and over again from all my girlfriends. And like, I'm so thankful that I, I personally had never experienced that. Yes. I've been ghosted plenty. I have been broken up with plenty, but to have that feeling of like giving yourself physically to someone to then be rejected. That's like a whole different level of worth of like, I can't imagine how that feels, especially as a girl, because we are so sensitive. We are so emotional and it's beautiful and we should be like, that's our gift, you know? So anyways, I kind of took that feeling with me to the right. And, um, and I just like, for some reason, this, this line making weight, making weight, like kept coming to me because growing up, my parents had always said, like, you don't do anything you don't want to do. Like, because you're a girl, you have all, you have all the power in the relationship. We really do. We're not taught that, but we really really do. And, um, and so I'm thankful to have been taught that a lot of girls aren't taught that, you know what I mean? A lot of girls don't have dads to, to teach them that, um, or mothers to teach them that. So I'm very privileged when it comes to how I was raised. So anyways, I, I take that feeling with me to the right and, we had started on a different song. We wrote that song in like an hour. And then my crush at the time is so funny. Cause like I was crushing hard on this boy at the time and he had called me and, and Josh knew all about him. Cause me and Josh talk about everything. And, um, and he was like, Oh, Abby, like so-and-so is calling you. Are you going to answer it? And I was like, no, I'm going to make him wait. I'm going to make him wait. <laughs> and I see that like, again, that phrase just like, came up like verbally again that I've been thinking about and um Josh and Tom kind of looked at each other like oh my gosh what did you just say and I was like I'm gonna make him wait like if he wants me bad enough he'll wait and they were like what the heck like and I kid you not Leah like top to bottom we wrote that song in like 30 minutes maybe And like that first verse, like Josh sat down at the piano and started with a like He's so talented at that. Just like, you know, he just plays these beautiful chords and like that melody just, it wasn't me. It was like, we were channeling a higher power. I really do think that like that first line of when he calls you, you don't have to answer right away. Make him wait. It's cause my crush was calling me. Like I literally just wrote about like what had just happened. Like it all the, all the things just lined up perfectly um that was probably one of the easiest songs to write ever yeah um and it would not have happened without josh and tom in the room because like tom douglas is one of those geniuses where he just sits down with a notepad doesn't really talk that much and he's just like writing 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 and you know and then my annoying ass is just like spewing out (laughs) stuff all the time too so it's chaotic but like we got it done so (laughs) like you say like we've all been there everyone knows that story whether it's yourself or your friends or daughters when was it automatically when you wrote it you were like yeah this needs to be a single this needs to be out in the world for everyone not at all I didn't feel that way at all like I honestly, I thought it was like a nice song. Um, we all kind of looked at each other like, yeah, like let's pitch this to Tim McGraw. Let's, you know, let's Keith Urban. 
Um, but then Josh had played it for my record label president at the time and his eyes just got all big. And obviously they heard something that I did not hear at all. Cause like, you know, I mean, the music I had put out was like very, or all the music I had been writing is like very personality driven, very fun, up tempo. Like I thought that would be my first single. Like that's the no brainer is to like lead with my lead with the personality, lead with the fun. Cause it felt like that was kind of, you know, a spot I could take in radio, especially. Um, so no, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking that for a single at all. Um, looking back, I wouldn't, you know, I think a couple songs could have been the first single, but like, you know, I wouldn't have taken it back because I do think it's an important song. And I'm, I'm really glad like girls still message me about it. You know, it's a, it's an important message. It is, yeah. And as I say, I think there's so many views to it. And I love the fact that you say you how you envisioned it, you know, for Tim McGraw or someone like that. Yeah. From a, from I just, a what do I know? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I'm well, you definitely do because look at you now. Um, but it obviously opened a lot of doors for you because so it came out 2018, and I'm assuming. Well, the next two years, obviously, before everything stopped, I sh- you didn't stop. You know, you did all these amazing mm-hmm. tours and experiences. You were one of the next women of country with CMT, which is a, a huge thing and a huge honour. Um, yeah. Did it just all feel like, well, it was nonstop, but do you look back at that time and just are you blown away by how fast it all happened and how much happened in that time? Yeah. And also, yeah, like, it was so much fun. Like, I was, you know, and we can get into more of the story on that, but like, I was having the, I was having so much fun. Mm-hmm. The tours, the, all the accolades. I'm like, holy crap, like, this is everything I wanted, you know? Behind the scenes, there was a lot more going on with me that like, I kept secretive, but like, on the outside, yeah. I mean, gosh, I love touring. Like, I freaking love performing. And it and it'd be like on CMT Next Women. Like, that was something I was as a young girl, like, oh my gosh. I'm like, if I could only just, right? If I could only just play the Opry. And here I've, I've played the Opry like 15 times now. And like all these things that you dream about as a little kid that are like happening to you. Yeah. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> It, is. it was awesome. Obviously, we, we were saying earlier about, you know, getting that record deal and having that massive high and working so much towards that. And then it almost, you kind of like, oh, where do I go now? Did you experience that same feeling when you were hitting all these goals? Were you a bit like, okay, what? Oh, like what? Next? Like what comes next? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, <clears throat> you know, earlier we were talking about perspective change after the pandemic and like that's where I was pre-pandemic it was like I would accomplish this thing and I even look at like back on like my Grand Ole Opry debut and it makes me kind of sad that like the arguably one of the best nights of my life ever okay Mm -hmm. I ruined it because after I got off that stage I was so freaking sad yeah Wow. Because all I could think about was, well, now what? Mm-hmm. 
How sad is that? Right? Rather than like, I remember like even my interviewer who is like doing what he's a dear friend of mine now, Bill, but like, even he was like, after I played, he had spent the whole day with me for this Opry debut video. And after I got off stage, like, I just wanted to cry. I just wanted to cry. And I don't, I still don't really fully understand why, but like, he was interviewing me and he even stopped the camera. He was like, are you okay? And I was like, no, Bill, like, I'm so freaking sad right now. Like, I'm sad it's over. Mm-hmm. Rather than thinking, gosh, this moment is amazing. Like, who knows, maybe I'll get to play again or like, or even just not thinking about the future. Why not just like enjoy that moment, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I totally, I ruined a lot of cool hurdles because I was just constantly like, what's next? What's next? What's next? Like, oh, well, she's doing that. He's doing that. I need to get that. I, oh my gosh, I ruined so many, so many things. But I love that you admit that and you are so aware of it because do you mm-hmm. think now that you obviously as we said like that whole post-pandemic feeling but you're gonna look at things so differently now going yeah. and you're gonna, gonna take all these moments and during that time you put out a lot of songs but some of which kind of obviously as you say you have your personality songs and your bubbly songs but some really emotional ones too um are there any songs like during that time that particularly you lean on and you were like I'm so glad that I put that one out in the world obviously I'm sure you're proud of all of them but are there any in particular of that that period of time pre-pandemic and you're like yeah that was the one I needed to get out I think let's see as far as like a more emotional one um I mean I still love that I'm good EP that EP is a vibe I'm still proud of that one (laughs) um no, I would I would say like the one song I think I needed to get out was probably Don't Matter Now, which a lot of people don't know. Um, but like I wrote that, I was really, really depressed when I wrote that. And it was one of those moments, and I wrote it pre-pandemic. Um, it was like kind of end of 2019. I'd been coming off of like, again, second single at radio, didn't work didn't do anything. And I was just feeling like, golly, like, what am I doing? You know, I took a song to radio I didn't even like, like, what am I doing? And um, and thank God it didn't work. Like, then I'd have to be singing it the rest of my life. (laughs) So so anyways, yeah, I had written Don't Matter Now during that feeling of like, I was just crying every single day and I didn't know why I was just like, it was like I was releasing so many of these stuffed in feelings and, um, and yeah, that chorus of the, Hey, 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 the sun is coming out. I remember when I was sitting in my room and I was just crying, crying, it was raining outside. And I kid you not, the sun just comes out randomly. And this has been a reoccurring lesson in my life. I think I've finally learned it. So I can finally learn something new. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but throughout my life, the best things have always happened right after the worst. Yeah. Every yeah. single time. And, you know, my little Pisces ass is always going through feelings. I'm always swimming in something. And um, just the sun coming out after I'd been crying, I'm like, 
Golly, isn't that the truth? Like, hey, the sun's coming out. I can't even remember what I was crying about 20 minutes ago because actually everything's fine. Like, what am I worried about? I'm always going to be doing music, you know, whether I have a record deal or not, I'm always going to be doing music. So what am I worried about? Mm-hmm. And it was just the biggest, like, ugh, really? breath. It was, yeah, for sure. So I'm, I'm happy that one saw the light of day. I, I am too. And I, I love that. And it's what you're saying, you know, as a child, you looked and you were like, this is how I get out my emotions. And then how many years later you're doing it? For, yeah. a, for a living <laughs> for a living and um, and then obviously like during all this time you're riding on this wave of success and the world shuts down but what I love is that certain artists who like yourself who weren't necessarily you know a massive but have were building up had yeah. this time but actually really connected with fans during this mm. Through things like social media and gigs and you know virtual uh, performances, do you feel that during that obviously really hard time, particularly for someone in your industry, that actually it benefited you in some way? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was like that was the turning point year for me. Um, and thank you for saying. I I really I hope I do connect with my fans. Like I really. Because to me, that's the point. Like, that is the purpose is to connect with people um, and to just share, like, just share everything. Well, I've probably overshared in the past, but, like, I've learned. (laughs) (laughs) Now there's things that we don't need to share, Abby, and that's okay. Um, But, no, I thank you for saying that, Leah, because, like, I really do. I, I hope I took that time to, you know, share my heart. And I think I did. Um, but no, dude, I need, I needed that year so bad. I really did to just like ask myself, you know, I'm, I probably made some of the best business decisions I'll look back on and thank myself for in 10 years that year. Um, so yeah, I'm so thankful, like have had the time to sit and be like, okay, Abby, like just try to take inventory. Like we've been doing this for almost three years now. We've got Two songs that didn't do shit at radio. Great. Um, you liked one of them. Cool. You don't like, now we're picking the third single. You feel okay about it. But you don't like, you're not jumping up and down about it. Like one is screaming from the rooftops. That's probably not good. And, and, and just everything. And just like, you know, it was also the year I finally recovered. I talked about my eating disorder before, but like it was the year I finally recovered from that like fully and I just I just needed that year I really did and it's it's so interesting you talk and I love that you talk so openly about it I think particularly people in your position we we should talk about it and it's so important but talking about how you needed that year and then coming out you know over the last few months you've been releasing music and you've got a new EP coming which I'm so excited to talk about but you've been releasing these songs which and as we talk about that, you have this bubbly personality, you have these really vibrant songs, but actually these songs that you've been releasing, which are just kind of like hit you right in the heart, but really connect. What does it mean to be able to now like release the songs that just, that you, well, I'm assuming you like. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, you know, I love really, them. But these new songs, um, can you t- talk me through kind of 
talk me through a little bit about this EP and the songs that are, that are going to make it and, and yeah. those ones. Okay, so I had met, this starts with my producer because he really changed my life. Um, his name is Marshall Altman. I had met him in November of 2020. So again, I was, I was just coming out of like a really depressed time. I was so confused. I left my record deal that summer. It was just one of those situations where like, I just knew I needed to leave. It was time to get out and go do, go make the music I want to. Um, left my record deal, which if any artist is listening, Probably leave a record deal if you have a plan and when you have a plan in place. I left with no plan, no funds, nothing. Okay. Would not recommend. It's kind of like quitting a job before you have another one lined up. Okay. Like <laughs> you might not have a record deal lined up. That's, I'm pretty sure that's illegal, but like <laughs> but maybe have like, I don't know, a plan. Plan is good. Anyway, so I, needless to say, I was confused and all I knew was that like, I had this peaceful feeling at the same time of like, hey, take a few months, Abby, like to chill, you know, let's hang out with your boyfriend. He's dope. <laughs> like, let's like, let's write our ass off. I was writing so much um, and just like letting myself heal too, just like, you know, reading a ton, going for walks, taking care of my mind, taking care of my body, just to like heal from everything. Um, so I met Marshall at the show. We were both playing and he just comes up to me and he's like, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know, you know, but tell me. <laughs> and, um, and he was like, you know, I've always wanted to work with you, but I never felt like I could because I didn't feel like I would make any, like gain any road with you because I, I knew you weren't really making music that you liked. So I didn't know as a producer how to, you know, do anything with you if you didn't know what you liked. And I was like, fair enough. And um, he was like, come over to the studio and let's start writing, you know? And we either write stuff we like or we don't. And the first write we ever did, it's gonna be on, on a, it'll be coming out after the EP. Um, he we just like looked at each other and I'm like where have you been all my life like this is crazy and um he was just the perfect man for the time and he still is you know but like to all the producers out there like it is such a gift and such a blessing as an artist to work with the producer who one not only listens to the artist but two like helps the artist listen to themselves and like, it was the first time I'd ever worked with someone. And I've, I've worked with amazing people. That's not to disregard the talent of past producers. Like I freaking love everyone I've worked with, but Marshall is the first one to be like, I, I would catch myself in my people pleasing being like, I don't know, do you like it? And he'd be like, I don't know, do you like it? Um, and it was, it was such a blessing. Like, especially as a young girl to, to have a grown man ask you, do you like it? It is so important. So important. So like I learned, I learned like the best lessons that first year that me and him worked together. We wrote everything, all the songs coming out this year, top to bottom in two weeks. 
all of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Minus there were two, there were two songs from my Black River days that I never got to put out that will be coming out that I'm excited about. Um, but that's kind of that's what this EP entails. It's kind of like my first. Um, all the singles that I've released will be grouped into this EP plus one new song. Where did all the cowboys go? Um, and and the reason why I wanted to do that was. And I hope my fans aren't mad at me because really it's only one new song and I hope they're not going to be like pissed off, but like, cause I realize that's kind of annoying, but I just wanted, <laughs> I wanted to give everyone time to like listen to all these singles together because it really does set up, set up the right, you know, footsteps for everything else to come. So. It really does. And I, I, you've kind of already answered my next question, but I was going to say, of the songs that obviously you've already released um, and the new one, are there any in particular? You know, if someone had to pick just one song to listen to, and I know that you've just explained they're kind of a collection together, but if there's, is there one in particular that you're really excited that it's on there? Oh, for sure, the Cowboy song. <laughs> I'm like, I've been, uh, you know, we live in the TikTok world now, which I love TikTok. I think it's yeah. such an amazing tool today. Um, and just the response I've gotten from that alone, I'm like, to me, I'm like, I've lived with this song for almost four years. And wow. so I'm like, yeah, it's a good song, whatever. But it's kind of like refurbished this new love for with me. You know, I think it's like the simplest song I've ever written. And um, people love it. So I'm excited for everyone to have it. I'm Fine, like, and it comes out forever. next week, um, which is super, super exciting. Um, yeah. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna wrap up now, but I'm, I'm so excited for new music. I do have uh, three questions that I ask everyone yeah. in every interview, um, which I feel like you may have the answers to. <laughs> uh, they're all around threes. Um, firstly, do you have three songs that you wish you'd written? Oh, I okay. I'll answer three songs I love and I'm glad I didn't write them because I wouldn't have written them as good. One, <laughs> Desperado. That song makes you cry every time. Two, That's the Way Love Goes by Merle Haggard. And three, uh, Vienna by Billy Joel. So glad I didn't write them. So glad I didn't write them. <laughs> Fair enough. I like you admit it. Um, what about uh, three albums you couldn't live without? Oh, Nora Jones, Come Away With Me, Ray Charles. Um, what, oh, crap, I'm blanking on the name. But it's it's like soulful sounds and country music. His, he made a country record. Yeah, yeah. Now Ray Charles record. Um, and then probably Joshua Tree by U2. Nice. Um, and the final question, three artists or writers or producers that you haven't yet worked with that in their kind of your bucket list you'd like to work with them in the future? Ooh. Ooh. Okay. I really, 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 I love One Republic. I want to work with Ryan Tedder so bad, which, I mean, so does everybody. Yeah, it's fine. But... We smack them in this. So they, we yeah. have best and tag away. So yes, no, I just like I feel like he has such a great energy about him, such like a fun aura. Um, yeah, Ryan Tedder for sure, man. 
Dude, I don't think about this enough and I should. <laughs> I really should. I love my producer, Marshall. Like I could work with him the rest of my life and be a happy, happy girl. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think, you know, an artist, like a, a an artist I would love to collab with. I really, really love, um, I love Maren Morris. I really do. I love her vocals. She's such an amazing songwriter. Um, and Kane Brown. I think like me and Kane yeah. would sound good together. I can hear that. I really do. Right? I so, and we both kind of have that like mixed thing where people are like, what ethnicity are you? And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> so I think it'd be that. I love that. I love that. I mean, yeah, well, we this is a manifesting session as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I normally at this stage, I would ask what's next, but I don't want to ask that because we've just discussed that that's actually. Oh, you're good. But um, are there any plans for maybe some touring? Uh, yes. Coming. Um, how are the next few months looking for you? Yeah, so we're doing CMA Fest in June, which I'm so excited about. And then I'm going to be heading to uh, CMC Rocks in Australia in September, I believe. So that will be really fun. And then we'll be, we'll be, um, we're working on sprinkling in some dates, you know, in between that for sure. But yeah. Well, I'm so, so looking forward to the EP next week. Thank you. Uh, I can't wait and hopefully, well, get to hear you live in a couple months at CMA Fest. Um, but good luck with everything. Thank you so, so much for coming on the show and chatting. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Leah. Hey, I, I appreciate it, man. This was a fun interview. So thank you. Thank you.